Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Hey, I am excited to start the new Decide Your Legacy podcast. This is something that's been on my mind for quite a while. I love podcasts because I utilize them when I work out and when I and in my car. I love listening to good quality content. So this is something new. I'm really glad you tuned in. Today, we're talking about anxiety and how to overcome anxiety. This is something people bring to my attention a lot. We get stuck in our heads thinking about something. We can't make decisions. We can't get it out of our minds. It can impact us in many, many ways. Today, I'm going to give you some of my best tips and tricks to overcome and overpower the anxiety you might be facing. My purpose and my passion is helping people find clarity in their lives. So anxiety, it feeds off of ambiguity, a lack of clarity. That's what makes it grow. And we're going to talk more about that today. But my passion is to help people find the clarity that will get them unstuck because they know this is what I should be doing. This is what I should be focusing on. People rarely take the time to step back and self-reflect because they're so busy. I mean, come on. We have so many things pulling at our attention, like our families, good things, things we should be focusing on, and then things that are just distractions. That clarity that we have knowing that this is what I should be doing with my time, it makes our it makes our yeses much easier and it makes our no's actually much clearer. We know what to say no to in our lives. That's the kind of clarity I want you to find today. That's my purpose. So let's just jump on into the content here. So why is this important? First of all, anxiety, man, if we get stuck on something and we can't focus on anything else but that thing that's 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 bothering us, well, we can lose sleep. It can take us away from engaging in relationships. It can take us away from doing things we love, like enjoying our lives and having fun. Anxiety keeps us from being creative. It takes away that ability to create something new because we're so focused on that thing that's consuming us. And that creativity is part of what makes life enjoyable and fun and gives life meaning. So if we have trouble with anxiety, it can impact our career, how we progress professionally. It can impact the way that we build and develop friendships in our lives. So we want to find ways to deal with it in a healthy way, not an unhealthy way. And I think we'll get to that too, because we can do things that are very unhealthy to deal with anxiety. And that's what we don't want to do. It's a big, big deal. And I'll tell you, as we listen and as we discuss this, there's three ways that people primarily feed their anxiety. It's like a plant. So if you have a, if you plant a, I live in, in a, the Midwest. <laughs> I'm not from here. I'm from actually Sacramento, but I've lived in Kansas, in Wichita since 1996. So a long time. And you know I'm 46 years old. So it's been uh, over half my life. And people grow some really great tomatoes in Kansas. Uh, one of, going to the farmer's market on Saturday mornings is one of my favorite things to do. But you can't grow good tomatoes without actually watering them. 
If you don't water them in Kansas, they're gonna die and they're gonna shrivel up. We feed our anxiety the same way. We're watering it. And one thing we do is we water it with confusion, with ambiguity, with a lack of clarity. Just simply defining a problem in our lives is one way of actually starting to make progress and overcoming it. And that ambiguity can simply, it can be caused by the environment we're in, like our jobs, when they tell us they don't give us clear instruction, they don't give us clear direction. It can be caused by ourselves because we don't want to actually face something and define the actual problem. The third way we feed anxiety is through focusing on the worst possible outcome. And that's something we think about consistently. So we're preparing for it because it actually might happen, but we're we're over-preparing for it because it's actually unlikely that the worst outcome happens. It could happen. It very much could happen. But, you know, the thinking about and focusing on that can actually be to our detriment. Then the third thing we do to feed our anxiety is we avoid it. We don't face it. We run from it. Facing a fear is one of the best things you can actually do. I remember hearing Mark Twain say that, you know, our fears... Um, our, something about our fears not being reality or you know, do the thing you fear the most and death to that fear is certain. That's, I think, from Abraham Lincoln. But it's something, if we don't, if we don't face it, it's just going to linger and actually grow. When another concept to think about is that, that our, our thinking comes in cycles and there's patterns to it. And we, we have to figure out a way to break the cycle. I, I call one the hope cycle and one the fear cycle. The fear cycle, its primary job is to, is it, or anxiety cycle, its primary job is to fixate on what could go wrong and then actually prevent it from happening. So you think it's, it's going to focus on the, the obstacle, you know, it's going to focus on that thing that could go wrong. And then it's going to keep us closed because when we're focusing on what could go wrong, potentially we're going to guard ourselves from that actually happening. And then it creates a cycle because we get guarded. And then the next thing we do is the next situation, we think about the worst outcome and how can we prevent it? And then how can we protect ourselves from it? The hope cycle is different because the hope's primary focus is to see what's the potential in this situation. You know, what's the opportunity? What good could come out of this? And then being hopeful, it actually makes us open. We do things like this today. I mean, this kind of, I knew doing a podcast would probably caused me some anxiety. I knew it would make me feel like what could go wrong? How could I look silly? All these things that could go bad. But if I focus on hope, it's like, well, what good could come out of it? It could help one person. One person could go on a jog and get one thing out of this that they could apply that could help their marriage or could make them a better mother or a dad or help them grow relationships. So hope's job is to keep us open. And then in the next situation, we're even open to that. So it creates a cycle and a pattern. So many things are pattern-based in our lives. I remember once when I was in seventh grade, and I share this story a lot, but in seventh grade, I was being bullied, and it was some brutal junk that I was going through. And I'm a middle child, and middle children are notorious for kind of keeping their problems to themselves. So the older child and the younger child get a little more attention. I don't know if that's true in all families. I, in fact, I know it's not true in all families. But I'm I'm more extroverted naturally, but my dynamics in my family of origin is I kind of cave in and hide things to myself. And I want to be kind of the problem solver, which led to me becoming a therapist, I'm sure. But I remember in seventh grade, brutal bullying going on. I had a little brother and an older sister. I'm hiding this from my family. It just went on and on and on. And it was like just traumatic stuff. And 
Eventually, after this going on for probably four months at least, I told my parents about the situation. And they gave me advice then. I was actually surprised because it, it just by engaging them, the anxiety started to go away. Because I remember my dad saying three things. He said, he said, one, you are not alone. You have your family here. Why are you not telling us about these problems in your life? He said that, hey, Adam, you got to change your perspective on this. You got to figure out a way to have a healthier perspective. You can handle this. And he said, three, Adam, you got to face the problem. You can't avoid it. You got to deal with this. I'm sure my mom said some things as well. And the Fourth thing he said, really, which has to do with avoidance, is the next time it happens, you're going to have to face this guy, and you may have to hit him. And believe it or not, it happened again. And I remember I had so much pent-up frustration that in one shot, the bullying started, and I cracked the guy right in the mouth. And I hit him so hard that I actually broke my hand on his face. I, I kid you not. I had a cast the next day I went to school on my hand because I hit him so hard. He never bullied me again. And I'm not that kind of a guy, but I realized that I got to face things in my life. And if I do face them, they go away. The anxiety dissipated. I mean, I didn't have to face it after that point. And at least not with him. I have to face it in my life. I still have actually a lot of anxiety, believe it or not. So when I talk about these subjects, I'm kind of talking to myself because I've had uh, I've had a number of challenging situations over the last uh, uh, 20 years. <laughs> um, and so some application here. I'm going to give you three tools that can help you today with your anxiety, whatever it may be. And and the three tools, it's a lot of information, but but there's three things that you can apply. And these are things I give to my clients, pretty much all my clients, that you can apply today for yourself. So the first thing is, is and this applies to what my dad shared with me, make your perspective healthy. Find a way to rise above your perspective to identify what it is and to add some health to it. So for example, if your perspective about whatever you're facing in your life is that it's going to go wrong and something bad's going to happen. So right now we're in the midst of a pandemic, COVID-19. So anyway, I'm making this podcast. Uh, I'm taking away the evergreen nature of this podcast, but that's okay. I, I, uh, there's a lot of anxiety out there. So one thing people can have on their mind is, well, hey, what's going to happen with my job? What's going to happen? Is it going to go away? Am I going to lose my job? Just identifying that on paper is a way to actually get clarity because it stops going through your mind and I can look at it on a piece of paper where it's a lot clearer and less ambiguous. Something I do to eliminate the amb ambiguity in my life is it's it's called my he healthy thinking skill number one. And it's, I also call it the daily five and five. And I'm sure um, as a podcast listener, you've heard things like this because generally podcast listeners are very much into self-improvement, which is why, which is one reason I'm excited about this podcast. So, but you write down five things that happened the day before or two days before that were positive in your life. And then you write down five things that you're looking forward to or excited about during the day ahead. Simply just doing that. You're starting to change the neural pathways. A neural pathway is a, is a thinking habit that we can actually observe through imaging. And we have information on over the last 30 years that we've gathered, all the neuroscientists out there uh, listening can, can vouch for that. So that's healthy thinking skill number one. Number two 
is I call it healthy thinking. I call it uh, focusing on what you can influence. And it's basically the serenity prayer in action. So God grant me the serenity, accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, wisdom to know the difference. So you're taking out the ambiguity on whatever it is you're stressed about. We'll say my job with COVID, whatever. So what is it about that thing? And you can just do this on a piece of paper. You make a list, you you divide the paper in half. And on one side, it's everything that you can actually you have some level of influence related to that worry that you have. And then on the other side, it's everything related to that worry or concern that you really don't have any influence or control over. So for example, it could be, hey, what the company does, unless you're an executive at the company or running the company or a major shareholder or whatever, you can't really control their decision-making at a very high level. But what you can do is you can prepare yourself for that next job. You can work on your resume. You can get out there and meet new people and network. You can do something in your power is gonna decrease your anxiety and just seeing that on a piece of paper can make a big difference. And the third healthy thinking skill, and these all apply to tool number one, which is make your perspective healthy, is to, is to be truth oriented. What can you do to focus on the truth? And being truth oriented, I have a worksheet I walk people through. So, so if you think, for example, that, okay, I had a client recently, they were anxious about meeting new people. And they felt like they didn't have a whole lot to offer in new conversations with people. They had some neighbors they wanted to get closer to. And as I talked to her, it became clear that she had some thoughts in her mind that I don't think were really accurate. One was that she had nothing to offer. She had nothing to offer the conversations. And we're talking about somebody who's a really good mom who has actually had a really fascinating career um, in the medical field and in the military. And it was like, my gosh, you know, I'm fascinated by talking to you as a client, but they in their own mind didn't really see their own potential. So they were more focused on fear than the actual hope. So then we walked and I walked her through seven questions that I like clients to answer related to that thing that's causing them some anxiety. So the first question is, what evidence do you have for that belief? What evidence do you have? And you probably do have some evidence. You may have some historical evidence, like, well, people rejected me in the past. You may have some evidence that's in the present moment, like you were rejected yesterday, or people still mistreat you and treat you like you don't have anything to offer in your family because you're a middle child like me. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there may be something there. So what evidence do I have for that thought being true? The next question is, what evidence do I have against that thought being true? And that's sometimes easier, but also it can bring up some shame answering that because you're like, man, it's obvious that I have a lot to offer. But so in this case, well, they had all these life experiences. They had this parenting experience they could offer. So they had evidence of ways they could contribute to a conversation. Third question is, is how would I handle it if my worst case scenario came true? So what if they rejected you? What would you do? Hey, and answering that can give you some insight into, well, I, I'd make it. I'd, I'd make new friends. I'd realize they're not a good friend anyway. I don't want them as my friend anyway if they're going to mistreat me. So you answer that question. Then the fourth question is, and this is the hardest one for clients to answer, how does it benefit me to think this way? Because we know psychologically that people do things and behave certain ways because they, have a, they perceive there's a benefit to interacting that way. So in a case like this, hiding out from relationships and stepping back from relationships, the benefit is that it keeps you from getting hurt and rejected and feeling those strong emotions that if somebody doesn't like you, which I, I like to be liked, 
Like, I want you to like listening to this podcast, but I know some of you are not going to like listening to it, but I want to, I want to be liked. And so identifying that her benefit or his benefit is actually self-protection is very, very helpful. Then the next question, this is number five, is how does it cost me? So how does it cost me and impact me negatively? Kind of an easier question to to answer, but in a case like this, it could cost you, you know, relationships, happiness, friendship, making new connections, enjoying your hobbies with new people, you know, not being alone, big cost to not reaching out and engaging people, getting stuck in your head, losing sleep. So you write that kind of stuff down. And obviously I have worksheets and I have one in particular that I use with clients consistently and have for uh, a long time. And the sixth question is, what's a better perspective? So identify the perspective. I don't have anything to offer. People are going to reject me. Well, what's a better perspective? What's a healthier perspective? Could be, hmm, I have a lot to offer. That simple. That simple shift in your perspective, which is so, I'm so, this is the clarity aspect. A little shift in your clarity, like can make such a huge difference for people. And then the seventh question is, well, what actions can I take on that new perspective? And then you identify at least one action you can take hopefully in the next 24 to 48 hours. So in this case, it was, hey, next time I interact, or have an opportunity to interact, I'm just going to say hello. And I'm going to be curious and ask questions, which is a great way to build relationships. So that's the first tool that I learned from my dad back in whenever, 1986, whenever I, I remember that same year in seventh grade, there's some things that really stick to me. And one was like a movie that I saw that year. It's kind of weird. And music that I heard that year, which is interesting about how traumatic situations can actually make you remember certain things. So the second tool is, and this is this is so important, is that you deal with anxiety, not in isolation, but with other people around you. And so a famous experiment that couldn't be reproduced today that I've, again, shared many, many times, if you've heard me speak, it's about something, it's an experiment they do with monkeys. And they take a monkey, put the monkey in a cage, and they terrify the monkey with gongs and water and loud noises. And they, and they measure the level of cortisol in the monkey, which cortisol is a stress hormone that we have. Um, and it increases when we're under a great deal of stress. It increases and it tells our brain basically to fixate on whatever that problem is because we're in danger. So we, that's why we lose our creativity because we're fixating on something and it's the cortisol and there's other hormones and there's other things that happen biologically or, you know, with in our, you know, our, our blood oxygenation level increases, our heart rate increases, things like that because we think we're in danger. And then in that situation, we fixate on it because we don't need to be able to be creative. We just need to solve that problem that's creating the danger for us. So they, they put the monkey in a cage, cortisol shoots through the roof because the monkey's stressed out. Okay, And then they change one aspect of the experiment by putting the monkey's buddy in the cage with him or her and then reproducing it. Same loud noises, gongs, fire, all this stuff, stressed out monkey. And what they find is that again and again and again and again, over and over and over again, that this cortisol level would be cut in half because the monkey had his buddy or her buddy in the cage. You know, and the main point in that is we, we need monkeys around us to deal with stress. Monkeys... Not literally, but our friends, our family, our our support network, that that helps us deal with stress. It decreases the cortisol level because we're not alone. So if somebody's losing their job and they got a buddy who's lost his job before, 
that they can talk to about it, that is a huge benefit in dealing with stress, which I did lose my job in 2008 and I was unemployed for seven months and I isolated and really didn't engage my monkeys, but then I started to, to engage my monkeys, my friends, and it really helped. So anyway, um, back in the Great Recession, I had a lot of interviews, very difficult situation, but we need monkeys. So think about support networks you can engage. We are blessed because we have opportunities to engage people with things like Zoom right now, or just opportunities to actually have face-to-face conversations that we really didn't have 20 years ago, 15 years ago even, maybe a decade ago, but we weren't able to access it and it wasn't as user-friendly back then. But we we can do things to engage our monkeys and then to meet new monkeys. And you got to be friendly to do that. You got to be friendly to make friends. But that is so crucial when it comes to anxiety. And think about groups that have an objective in mind, like Weight Watchers, Losing Weight, or Alcoholics Anonymous, or Al-Anon, who helps people dealing with those that struggle with addiction, or your church men's group that gets together and talks about parenting and being a good husband and studies and reads a good book together and engages like that. I mean, those are all groups, social networks that we may not in the moment want to engage. In fact, we may want to hide from it. And I'm the master at hiding from people when I'm under a lot of anxiety and stress, believe it or not. Um, But I know I have to. I don't want to, but I do it. And I'm pretty good at doing it at least going through the motions and then I leave saying, oh my gosh, you know, this helped me in some way. So that's the, that's the second thing. Don't go it alone. Find your support network. The third tool that I'd really encourage you to engage is do find ways to really take care of yourself. One of the things people neglect the most I find is their own personal, what fills me up kind of stuff and energizes me stuff. What's going to make my life better? What's going to help me to be refreshed and replenished so I can engage people and so I can deal with the stressors in my life? I mean, if I get seven to eight hours of sleep, I'm a much different person than if I've gotten five. And it's my own self-care right there, which these are proactive ways to deal with anxiety by caring for ourselves and doing things that we love. And so what I'd encourage you to do is to make a list of whatever five activities that you have in your life that can really energize you, not drain you. When you're done doing this thing, I feel energized and encouraged and I feel motivated and I feel like I made some progress in my life. And it might be something, it might be something that, you know, in the moment, you're not really energized by it, but when you're done, you're energized by it. So like, for example, for me, I get energized when I read fiction, like classical fiction uh, stuff, you know, and part of me is like, well, I want to have said I read that, but I really enjoy just getting into, it's a classic for a reason. You know, if I'm reading Tale of Two Cities or whatever, or, or, you know, Dickens or whoever, I mean, you know, Tolstoy or something, and I'm kind of muscling through it. But if I get through and read 15 minutes, usually I'm energized by it. I mean, it's good content, but there's something positive about it. I get energized when I go on a run usually, especially afterwards. I I need that in my life. I get energized when I play games 
things that are fun. I play like to play hearts and spades and poker and things like that. I have a poker night with my buddies, which I don't do nearly as much, but those things I'm generally energized by. And I have to remember and remind myself that these things are going to fill me up. So what things will fill you up, especially in situations that are highly stressful when we're dealing with anxiety, do something, even if it's for five minutes, that's going to give you a hug, basically. It's going to give you something that you can do positively for yourself. And another thing that I find very helpful is just having something I can focus on that reminds me of my positive intrinsic qualities, like that that these are good qualities about myself that help me to remember that I have value and worth and to focus on those as well. So those are your three things. And in summary, don't go it alone. Make your perspective healthy and consistently invest in yourself. So put yourself first. Be a good friend to yourself. Are you being a good friend to yourself? application. So next thing here is I want to just do a call to action for you. So if you found this helpful, if you found this helpful in the least, this is brand new. This is podcast number one. And I'd love for you for one to go ahead and give a review and subscribe to this podcast. Love to get the name out there, the Decide Your Legacy podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. The second thing you can do is to sign up for the Decide Your Legacy newsletter. You'll get two free um, pieces of content for doing so. One is fit my 50 favorite questions for people to ask each other to build relationships. So 50 great relationship building questions. And another is is an ebook on on life balance tips. So real easy read, but some stuff, very valuable content you can go through on just living with more balance, which will lead to you having more joy in your life because you're taking care of yourself and you're not working all the time and getting consumed in anxiety all the time. Life balance, big, big deal. So those are two things you can do subscribe and then um, enroll and sign up for the the newsletter um, through my website which is which is decideyourlegacy.com um, love to have some feedback from today as well any questions so as we go I want to address specific questions people have the most common questions so that's really what I'm doing today is how to deal with anxiety is probably the most common question that I get from anybody and I just gave you the three tips that can change your life if you apply them which application is the only way to make any change in your life. Through clarity, inspiration comes application. I really hope you apply at least one thing that inspired you from today. Again, tell your friends about this podcast and see you next time. Thank you. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. 